Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. And unto Adam God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cost is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of your life. Tons and tisses shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. God is talking to Adam. God has passed judgment on the serpent, and by extension, Satan, he has passed sentence on Eve, now is the turn of Adam. Adam's sentence was preceded by a declaration of his guilt. So that's the second portion of these sentences. God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and had eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Now let's understand that Adam's offense is not primarily listening to the voice of his wife. Now that's not the primary offense. The primary offense is that he acting to the voice of his wife over and against, and that is the issue, over and against clear instruction, clear command from God. Eve's fault was that he persuaded Adam to eat of the fruit of the, of the tree of the knowledge of evil that God commanded them not to eat. But Adam, however, has a fault. It was his fault hearkening to the voice of Eve. And that is very, very important. There was a fault on the, on the part of Eve persuading her husband to obviously break a clear instruction that God gave them. But Adam has the responsibility to say no. Okay, and Adam did not do that. I mean, we can look at the example of Job, isn't it? Despite what Job passed through, his own wife came and told him exactly the same. You know, we've mentioned Job in this series, but Job did not akin to the voice of his wife. So there's a whole lot that we see in Job as we see in the story of Adam and Eve. So, so, so the, the, before God gave the sentence against Adam, he first of all declared his guilt. His guilt was that he disobeyed clear commandment of God and he passively followed the lead. Adam was supposed to be the lead. Adam was supposed to be the protector. Adam was supposed to be the provider. He was supposed to protect the wife. He didn't do that. Even much more than that, he followed passively her lead in disobeying. <clears throat> and that is very, very important is following the lead in disobeying God's command, following her lead in sinning against God. And it could go, go both ways also. The Bible says that the wife lovingly submit to the husband, not, but not in the sense of disobeying clear commands of God. And that was Adam's guilt. And that was what led them to where they are. Okay, so the sentence then followed from when we start reading from 
the second part of verse 17. The sentence follows all the way to verse 19. Now, this judgment passed on Adam revealed the extent of the impact of Adam's sin. It revealed to us the extent of the impact of Adam's sin, obviously, by extension of Eve's sin. Because the Bible tells us, when we read Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, in King James, it says, Cost is the ground for thy sake. Cost is the ground for thy sake. When we read it in Amplify, it says, The ground is now under a cost because of you. The ground is now under a cost because of you. So in essence, the whole creation was impacted and affected by Adam's sin. And Paul alluded to this in Romans chapter 8. Let's read that. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 23. I will quickly read. I'm reading from New King James Version. For I consider that the sovereign of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons or the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with bad pang together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. See, the Bible says the creation was subjected to futility. The Bible talks about the creation being in bondage to corruption. The Bible talks about the whole creation groaning and in labor with bad pang up until now. So it is very, very important for us to understand the, the depth of the implication, the depth of the impact of Adam's sin, that it negatively impacted, it negatively affected the whole creation. And that is what is outlined for us here in the book of Romans chapter 8. Haven't seen the global level <laughs> of the impact, but let's come to the personal level. On a personal level, Adam's judgment impacts primarily on his relationship to the earth. It impacts on the area of his daily work. His vocation as a provider, his vocation as a protector for his house has now become a hard labor, has now become a toil, a struggle, a drudgery. God has called Adam to be a protector. God has called Adam to be a provider. But because of rebellion, because of sin, that vocation has now become exceedingly hard. It has now become a hard labor, a toil, a struggle, a drudgery. Providing for and protecting his family has now become much more difficult. It has now become much more difficult. As a result of his rebellion, Adam lost the sumptuous garden, but did he inherit in return? He has inherited a desert. In obedience, Adam and Eve were a means of blessing to creation. But when they disobeyed, in disobedience, Adam pollutes and destroys the earth. Sin turns a fruitful land into a barren land. Let us read Psalm 107, verses 33 and 34. He turneth rivers into wilderness 
and the water spring into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. Now, obviously, I'm taking this out of his context, but what I want you to see here is wickedness turns a fruitful land into barrenness. We need to understand that sin is evil. Sin is evil. Sin pollutes. Sin destroys. And this is why God was telling them not to eat of that fruit of that tree, but they did. They rebelled. So let's move on. And then that sentence goes on and he said, In sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of your life. We are looking at the, the impact where this judgment, where this sentence impacts Adam at a personal at a personal level. Now, that word sorrow there is quite important because that word sorrow there literally means painful labor. Does that sound familiar? Painful labor. And it was the same word that was used for the woman in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, when God said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. And in sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children. The word sorrow there is the same word that is used here for Adam. In the same way that God said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow in your conception. The same way God is telling Adam, in sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of your life. Literally painful labor. Man has eaten what he should not eat. And now the legitimate process of him putting food on the table for his household will be fraught with pain, with sorrow, with disappointment, with difficulty. He has exchanged paradise for the desert. Let's move on. In the sweat of thy face, talking about the sentence, in the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread. In the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread. Before the fall, Adam had work. Okay? So work by itself is not a cause. It's a blessing. But before the fall, Adam's work was with ease, was with pleasure. But now it will accomplish far less, far, far less, but with painful and rigorous exertion. It will accomplish far, far less. It will walk like an elephant and it will eat like an ant. It will accomplish far less, with, but with painful and rigorous exertion. This is complicated, obviously, in our time by exploitation of the poor by the rich. Both at personal level, at local level, and at global level. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field. What does that, what's the implication of that? Sin has reduced this man who was the crown of God's creation. Sin has reduced him from eating the fruits of the Garden of Eden. He's been reduced to eating the common herbs of the field, just like the beast of the earth. Sin is a spoiler of life. Sin reduces life. Sin is a destroyer of destiny. It's nothing to play with. We move on. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19 says, And in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, 
and unto dust shall thou return. What is the implication of that? Man will have enjoyed physical immortality, but for sin. Adam and Eve will have enjoyed physical immortality, but for sin. Futility and physical death is now introduced into creation because of sin, because of transgression, because of rebellion, vanity, futility, and physical death has now been introduced into creation. We need to understand that physical death is a consequence of disobedience. God did not create Adam and Eve to die physically. Physical death was a consequence of disobedience. And this is attested to us in the New Testament. Let's read a couple of places from the New Testament. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Wherefore as by one man sin enter into the world, and death by sin. And so death pass upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now there is a spiritual death, but what he's saying here is actually physical death and spiritual death. We can see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21. For since man came dead, by man came also the resurrection from the dead. You can see there is talking about physical death. And what we are saying, what we are establishing here is that death, both spiritual and physical death, is as a consequence of disobedience. But at this moment, I'm talking about physical death because he said, from the ground you are taken, dust are you, and to dust you will return physical death but let's talk about death let's talk about physical death every human will die if jesus tarries it is the destiny of every human to die and that death came into this creation through sin ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 2 i'm going to read from easy to read version ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 2 says but there is one thing that happens to everyone we all die death comes to good people and bad people death comes to those who are pure and those who are not pure death comes to those who give sacrifices and to those who don't give sacrifices good people will die just as sinners do those who make promises to God will die just as those who are afraid to make those promises. It is our common experience in life that every person dies unless Jesus comes. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 in easy to read version says that everyone must die once and then they are judged. Everyone dies. And after that judgment... In its basic fundamental definition, physical death is the obliteration, the end of an earthly existence. Death cancels, nullifies birth. There's birth, the life that was given birth to is nullified, is cancelled at death. So at a fundamental, foundational level, physical death is an end of an earthly Existence. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 2 in easy to read version says, There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. But understand, please, that death is not the end of the man. 
that is not the end of the woman. It is simply the end of his or her heartly existence. And this is very important. Why? Because human, as we have seen, were created in the image of God. They are living souls. And the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, again in easy-to-read version. I'm using a lot of easy-to-read version tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7 says, Your body came from the earth, and when you die, it will return to the earth. But your spirit came from God. And when you die, it will return to him, obviously, to be judged. Okay? Like we read in that Hebrew chapter 9, verse 27, everyone must die once. Then they are judged. Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. But God does not die. Death is ungodlike. God does not die. Death is the unquestionable demonstration that man is not God. You know, we have a lot of all these people that parry themselves as deity, <laughs> but they die. God doesn't die. Death is ungodlike. So death, physical death, is the unquestionable, the clear demonstration that man is not God. Death destroys all illusion and pretension of human to be indestructible, to be self-sufficient, to be deity. Death destroyed. And this is the reason why many people want to deny the reality of death. Many people want to teach that death is an illusion. Look around. Death is not an illusion. Death is real. And death is an advertisement that humans are not God. But physical death is only the first death. The scripture speaks of a second death. The scripture speaks of a second death. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says that, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Scripture talks about second death. I'm just quoting one or two of those. What I've just read is Revelation 21.8. Revelation 2.11 says, and this is one of the letters that the Lord Jesus wrote to one of the churches. He said, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. The mystery of human death goes much deeper than mere cessation of physical life. Cessation of physical life is the first death, but there is a second death. And only those people, now everyone will die. The good, the bad, the godly, <laughs> the ungodly, the righteous, the Irish, everybody physical, human will experience the first death if Jesus died. But only the ungodly, only the unrighteous will experience the second death. The only way that you and I will not experience the second death is through the cross of Jesus. It's the bridge that stops us from experiencing that second death. Phil Hughes, in his book that I've introduced to you, The True Image, he said, The full horror of human death extends beyond the frustration of the grave to the deep-seated awareness that each man is answerable for the life he has lived. The full horror of human death extends beyond just physical death. Is this awareness that we have that when this life is over, we are answerable to God, the creator of this life. We are answerable to him for the life 
we have lived in this life. Still quoting, he said, man's deep inner fear of death is related far more to this second death than to the event of the physical death of the body, which is the first death. That the inner fear of death is actually the fear of the unknown. What happened after this, the first death, which is actually the second death. Herein, still quoting, is the real terror of the death of, of the ungodly, that of endless separation from God and thus endless separation from life. Now, the first death is the separation from the physical body, is the separation of the soul and the spirit from the physical life. But the second death is actually eternal separation from eternal life, eternal separation from God. And that is the real terror of death for the ungodly. It suffices to say, because this is not the time, this is not the place, this is not the space for us to go in deeply into it, but it suffices to say here that this problem of sin and second death is resolved through the redeeming work of the incarnate God. That is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And let me round up today by reading from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 to 57. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mother shall have put on immortal, then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the Lord. But thank be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The problem of sin, the problem that Adam created, unless you are alive when the rapture comes, everybody will die. But the problem of sin, the real horror of sin, the second death, that is resolved through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way you and I can be part of that and experience that is for us to understand that that is the only way. That there is no other name given among men whereby we might be saved. Salvation is not from the first death. Everybody will die. Now, salvation brings direction, brings order, brings peace, joy as you walk through that. You are not afraid of death. But salvation saves us from the second death. Like we read in that letter that the Lord Jesus wrote to one of the churches in Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. He that has and hear, let him hear. What the Spirit said unto the church, and he that overcometh, he that have accepted Jesus Christ as his or our Lord and Savior, will not experience the second death. And I'm asking you tonight that the time is short. Come to Jesus tonight. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that you and I will not experience the second death. But that even in this life, while we are walking through the valley of shadow of death, we can experience something of his life. We can experience something of his joy. We can experience something of his presence. But when this is all over, we will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Do it right now. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.